This podcast includes information provided by the issuer and does not express the views of the interviewer. This podcast may also include forward-looking statements by the issuer that involve certain risks and uncertainties to its business. Because forward-looking statements are subject to risks and uncertainties, the issuer's actual results could differ from those indicated in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. You can follow Planet Microcap on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. You are listening to episode 98. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to tweet at me or shoot me an email at rkraft at snnwire.com. And when you do get a chance, if you like what you hear, please rate and review Planet Microcap on iTunes. It really helps provide feedback for me and spread the microcap message. For this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I spoke with Rohith Bhatti, co-author of the upcoming book, Intelligent Fanatics of India. This was very exciting for me, not only as a fan of the Intelligent Fanatics series, but it's covering a part of the world that I've had little exposure to. While I've interviewed some well-known Indian investors here on the podcast, that being Professor Bakshi and Gautam Bade. I'm really looking forward to reading about some of the best entrepreneurs that have built successful businesses in India. Now, to guide us on this journey is my guest today, Rohith Bhatti. I had the opportunity to interview Rohith at the Microcap Club Leadership Summit in Chicago a couple weeks ago, where we discussed Rohith's background, his inspirations, and he gave some snippets to what you can expect in the latest edition of Intelligent Fanatics. Thank you, Ian Castle and Sean Iddings, for helping set this up and for hosting another great event. I highly recommend everyone try and attend in 2020. You can pre-order your copy of Intelligent Fanatics of India on intelligentfanatics.com or on Amazon. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 98, and please enjoy my interview with Rohit Bhatti. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hi everyone, Robert Kraft here, your host on the Planet Microcap podcast. As some of you may know, when I'm not interviewing folks for the podcast, I also host CEO video interviews and Wall Street views with investing experts for SNN's YouTube channel, SNN Network. I wanted to take a moment to invite you all to subscribe to the SNN Network YouTube channel. As a subscriber, you'll be the first to be notified when we publish a new CEO video interview with microcap management teams, a new Wall Street View video interview with investing experts, panels and keynote presentations from our conferences, as well as new and archived podcast interviews. Go to www.youtube.com backslash SNNWire and click the subscribe button. Again, that's www.youtube.com youtube.com backslash snn wire and click subscribe thank you for subscribing and for your continued support just wanted to let you all know that we actually recorded this interview live in the lobby at the hotel in chicago so please excuse any uh, external noises or popping and whatnot and the we're exchanging the the mic back and forth too so uh please excuse us for that but also enjoy my interview with rohith Potti. 
This is Robert Kraft, and I'm your host on the Planet Microcap podcast. And with me today, I have a very special guest uh, coming all the way from India is Rohith Bhatti. He is a student of Professor Sanjay Bakshi, who we actually had on the program in episode 41. And he's also the co-author of the upcoming version of the Intelligent Fanatics book. Uh, Rohit, welcome to Planet Microcap podcast. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Robert. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for uh, uh, spending this time with me. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this, and we also have to give a thank you to uh, Sean and Ian for uh, hosting this event. Uh, we're at the Microcap Leadership Summit, as maybe some of you may not know. But to start, as we always do on the podcast, you know, let's get your background. I mean, where did you start, and, and how did you end up to where you're currently at today? Uh, so my journey's been uh, pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, I was born in the southern part of India in Kerala. Uh, I did my schooling there. Uh, after that, I did my, uh, like most of my peers did at that time, I did my engineering uh, after I did my schooling, and that was in the neighboring state of Tamil Nadu, uh, again in the south of southern part of India. Uh, I did not, I mean, so engineering was great only for the set of friends that I had. Uh, I think as, uh, I guess, Morgan mentioned it yesterday. So academically, it did not help me that much, I would say, but uh, I had a great set of friends uh, and and a big part of what I love about myself I sort of found out found found that part out in in, in engineering after that I went to MDI to do my MBA uh, I did not know professor Bakshi existed when I joined the college but once I reached there I heard a lot about him and and to be honest the hype that I heard before I went for the class went to the class didn't do justice to how good it actually was mm -hmm. so that's been quite influential uh, so after college, I worked for uh, nine months as a relationship manager. Uh, it it was quite desensitizing. It, it was not a great experience. And, and so that was, uh, ironically, so, so because it was not a great experience, it was a great experience because it I figured out what not to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I had student loans, which I had to finish. So so I had to get a job. And uh, one of my friends at MDI, uh, Ashwin, he, he works at JP Morgan, and he helped me get a job there. Uh, once I worked for about three years in JP Morgan, so 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 paying off the loan was really driving me. Mm -hmm. uh, so once I finished off the loan, uh, I stopped. I mean, I, I sort of lost interest in the work there. Uh, I was still doing well, uh, but but the seed that was planted by Professor Bakshi and then my friend, uh, uh, another friend from my uh, college, Manan, uh, that so I always thought only exceptional people like Professor Bakshi, no, normal individuals couldn't do this full time. So my friend uh, Manan, he did it uh, and, and he wanted me to, uh, he, he put the idea in my head that uh, why don't you also try it as well. Uh, and this is investing full time or, or just investing in general? Investing in general was the idea. Okay. Uh, but JP Morgan pays really well. So th they sort of create an exit barrier because they pay really well. Uh, this, the, the lifestyle sort of goes down if you move it move into so I would have to start from scratch in investing so so that was a huge barrier uh, but around so a lot of things are sort of like Mr. Munger talks about Lollapalooza so there's a mini Lollapalooza that happened in my life a lot of uh, things uh, a conference events uh, came together which led me to quit my job one of them was my friend uh, goading me into it the second one was uh, <laughs> a professor's uh, one of professor's students uh, Ankur he started an internship program that year uh, I, l 
luckily applied to it in the nick of time because I think he opened it and within uh, 20 hours he closed it as well. So I just uh, was able to uh, make an application. So once I got that opportunity to intern with him, it was a long distance part-time internship for two months. Uh, this was at an investment firm or what, what no, was No, no, so he's an individual investor, oh, okay. uh, pretty well regarded in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I got that opportunity, uh, I was too close to the problem but my wife just looked at me and asked me why don't you quit i mean if you want to do this full time as well uh, go all in into it so what so just a background uh, uh, we were just married 9 months before i quit so we just figure and it was an arranged marriage which is a whole new whole different thing in india mm -hmm. so we just figuring each other out as well uh, so i was not sure if investing is something i really liked at that point of time it i thought it might have been the grass is greener on the other side sort of a thing uh so what i did was uh i mean i had to uh, so we i had to work on the marriage also always everything was fine but we were just discovering each other so sure. so what i tried to do was uh, outside of the time i spent with my wife so before she woke up before she came back from work after she went to sleep i spent time doing it uh, uh for 6 to 8 months uh to see if it's something that i really like because if you do it when you're uh, when so when things are uncomfortable and you still find time to do it so that's 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 the measurement i thought so that was not just for me because i was taking a huge step where my salary was pretty high and it will go straight to zero yeah. uh i wanted so, so so my wife told me to quit so so i thought okay so that's a strong i mean intuitively i thought that's a strong enough indicator to quit so yeah. so that's when i quit and for after i quit for the first one one and a half years uh i interned with anko for two months then there's this uh mutual fund firm called parak parik uh, fund advisory services mm -hmm. they are they are very they, they are known very uh, widely in india for their value investing approach uh ronak there was extremely kind i had an interaction with him uh, and then he said okay you are, you can come and intern with us mm -hmm. so i wanted an exposure to the corporate environment in value investing as well but uh, around before that i had a conversation with professor and uh, uh, another student of professor arpit who have both been very influential uh, so they sort of the conversation sort of indicated that probably learning is maximized when you sort of do it on your own mm -hmm. so researching is one so, so what i later figured out was that researching is one part of it but actually putting your own money and going through the pain is yeah. is is probably a bigger part of investing sure. so the whole idea when i quit what i thought was to maximize the learning uh the rate of learning as high as possible so 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 the way professor taught was that money is sort of an outcome of everything else so so if you maximize learning it's compounding formula so the rate of learning and the time that you learn if it's maximized then things automatically sort of fall in place gotcha. okay yeah. so i'm trying to set, get get the no nothing to apologize for i'm trying to get the so so okay so take the internship right also going to work at this corporate value investing firm so then from there i mean you know how did you meet ian and and sean and i i mean you guys live across the world from each other and and you know so fill that gap for me so how did we get to where we're we're currently at uh sure so uh <clears throat> so just after i finished my internship uh, so unfortunately my m mother uh was diagnosed with cancer Sorry. yeah so uh and Uh, so and then uh, uh, I had sort of decided, I guess, that I would uh, 
not continue in a corporate firm because I thought I'd explore it myself to learn faster. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, uh, so uh, then we went back and forth because my wife was not comfortable with me staying alone at home. So I went searching for a job, but then again, we rethought. So in the end, I decided to stay home uh, for, and I was working from home for some time, uh, just figuring out my style of investing basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then uh, around November that year, I think Ian, uh, two years back, Ian and Sean started Intelligent Fanatics, the community, and uh, uh, they figured that, luckily for me, they figured that majority of the members were from India. So uh, Ian is very, very well known in India. Mm -hmm. uh, and so around February, I think they launched, uh, so they, they, they were looking for applicants. So I. I try staying out of all social media to the extent possible. So I'm not very active on Facebook. I don't, I'm not on Twitter at all. Oh, well, you're about to get a little, you know, Twitter uh, action right now, but I digress <laughs> anyways. <laughs> uh, so, so why I say that is because I didn't know about this uh, fact that they're looking out for somebody. So again, my friends, Arpit and Manan, so they told me, Kisi, this is coming out and why don't you try it? Right. And the idea of Intelligent Fanatics resonates quite strongly with me uh, we can get to that later maybe and and luckily for me I was sitting on my ass doing nothing so so when you have the time you can act quickly and decisively which is sort of a, a tiny 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 version of what Buffett says that he sits things and reads and when the opportunity comes he just so this felt like that intuitively so so two weeks I just did nothing but submit an application and they were happy with it and that's how we came to know each other yeah gotcha. All right. So, you know, you, you mentioned a while back, or a little earlier in your introduction here, uh, that y while you were getting your MBA, you took the behavioral finance and business valuation course with Professor Bakshi. As we introduce you, you are a student of Professor Bakshi. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, we, again, like I said, we've had the Fundu professor. I call him the Fundu professor. Yeah, I yeah, love it. Yeah. Uh, it. We've had him on on the podcast. And, and to date, it's actually still the most downloaded episode. Um, so I have to ask, you know, how and why... Uh, did this course change your life? Mm, uh, so that's difficult. So, <coughs> so I uh, I sort of see. See, anytime I see a happy or successful life, uh, happy or slash and successful life, uh, or a life filled with joy, I. It's my belief right now that it's sort of an outcome. It's a multiplication of multiple acts of kindness across time uh, uh, so and I think Professor Bakshi is probably one of the kindest s human beings that I've met uh, for his sheer generosity so let's uh, I want to divide pr probably it'll be best if I divide this into two parts so investing mm, uh, he's a great teacher so why is he a great teacher is because he actually I, I think he was inspired by Professor uh, Ben Graham and and he does he he taught life case studies in classes and and again the interesting part is that he's first and foremost a practitioner of investing he managed money mm -hmm. and that's what he taught at class so so what so he's been investing since 1990s and the benefit was that in in the course he used to uh, take us through articles and stuff that he did from 1990s till the year that he took the course each year the course is different the curriculum is different so 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 I think I read this quote somewhere, Peter Buffett or somebody in, in the book, he says that good or great teachers don't just pass on information, they, they share something of themselves. And, and, and I think that's what Professor did. So you could actually go through his 
thought process over the course that he conducted. And when you get real life case studies on what he's doing, why he's doing that, why he's thinking that. And what happens is for me, the students are uh, the former students can subscribe to his uh, course sort of classes uh, the mails he sends to his students by if i request him to add me to the group he he allows that uh, so so some of the stuff that he's told in the past he says okay this is what i thought before and this is how i changed so so that's great so he really taught us investing how to practice investing not just theory and it's so, that was so different from some everything else uh, the other part is so i don't think investing is all he taught i think for me the larger part of what he taught was so he taught us wisdom uh, he he taught us uh, a framework to uh, to live uh, a framework to think uh, so without going into into it in much detail uh, so when my mother passed away uh, a large uh, a large reason uh, for why i was able to deal with it is because of the course so so that's why i see and and where i am is only because of his course uh, no wow, yeah yeah so so he's 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 uh, he's influenced a lot of students lives is what i think and and i and i think probably teaching so, so most people think about the money bit of it i mean that's the capital society or whatever but but so prof probably makes less than one uh, my guess but i think he makes less than 1% uh, of his income from teaching but he does it because he loves it and because it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, first I have to say I'm so sorry for the passing of your mother, yeah, but no I'm problem. but I'm also so happy to hear that this course had such a yeah. great effect on you that it helped you through your grieving process, you know, and um it, it's interesting when we had him on the podcast as well. I I like when as you were saying how it had an effect on you even just my two-hour conversation I, I i felt like we talked more about life really than yeah. investing you know <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah yeah well he has that way of just being able to relate to you on a personal i yeah. mean he you know i told him i love surfing and then you know he's like oh well there's a great charlie munger quote on you know how surfing is like uh, investing yeah, and i was like yeah. you're my i love you right now like this is so cool yeah. um so that's really that's really amazing that you were able to have that experience and it's had the effect on you that that it's currently and led to you know you know you're about to be a published author you know so <laughs> so uh, uh you know before we do get into the book you know based on your investing experience and all the lessons you've learned you know you've had a lot of time to think about this so what what is your investing thesis and 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 in other words you know what what are some of your criteria that you look for for a potential new investment mm. uh so a lot of elements to this so uh I'll 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 try to be. Uh, Take in, we got time. The yeah. Start, the start today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, sure. So, uh, see, uh, the, uh, how I think about this is uh, a little different. So, so okay, I'll I'll start with the outcome right now. Th- what it is right now. So it's still evolving, to be honest. Uh, before I say any answer, I just want your audience to know that I've been doing it just for three years. I I. I impeccably timed my entry right when the market was at peak, and and I'm sitting on huge losses right now. So so people know that before they listen to me. That's I think important. So uh, it's a very fair disclosure. Right yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I start by a good professor. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, see, for me, the framework that I think about investing right now is uh, a framework for inefficiency. So I think every style is basically so what. Oh, what mr oshanasi mentioned yesterday there's a unique thumbprint a unique fingerprint for mm-hmm. every person 
so so for me right now it's i'm trying to figure out my framework of inefficiency and, and how i figure it out is a combination of things it's uh, first i set up uh, so one one angle to that thinking is constraints mm -hmm. what do i not like doing what do i not want to do and after doing a few things what did i enjoy doing and what 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 works for me so so for example right now uh, some of the things inefficiencies that i like intelligent fanatics is something that i really like <coughs> uh, the reason is hmm, so let's take a step back and in inefficiency so how i think about it is so what is investing when i am investing what i am trying to do is uh i'm trying to find figure out inefficiencies now what is an inefficiency so so how i see it is uh, talib had a concept uh, of alternate history so he says that we see history as a one single point one single line that went from a to b to c to d mm -hmm. but that but what we tend to forget is that at each point of time there are multiple alternate histories that could have occurred mm -hmm. but because of a confluence of events coincidences history occurred as it did mm -hmm. now flipping that concept uh, so i think there are alternate eventual realities or alternate futures from each point of time so from here what could happen to me or to my investing companies uh, are there's a whole wide range of it right mm -hmm. so so there are two ways to approach it so you can either predict what will happen which is complex because uh, the world is inherently a complex system uh, and and all of us are complex individuals and so the interaction makes the uh, prediction of each future immediate future quite difficult in my opinion but so so coming back again there are a whole range of future possibilities or what can happen to a company uh so what is in the control is the decisions taken mm -hmm. so so in case of intelligent fanatics what i really like is that they have a framework for taking decisions based on certain uh, uh, fundamental uh, forces that have worked for centuries and millennia in the universe mm -hmm. so i think as the quote that was shared by uh, josh yesterday uh there are fundamental i mean the best way to function in the world is to harness the fundamental forces that occur in it so physics biology etc so intuitively i don't think they all of them necessarily do it but somehow for some reason intelligent fanatics they have a framework for thinking long term for 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 uh, and they they have a way, so when, when when something bad happens to them the question is the question they ask themselves is not oh no why why did this happen to me the question they ask is okay how can i come out the out of this stronger uh so so a sort of framework that allows them so, so each entrepreneur each person has multiple decision forks that he can take at each point of time for an entrepreneur it might be let's take an two wheeler auto on, uh, auto automobile company so his questions would be okay do i buy another company do i launch another product etc 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 so i think intelligent fanatics because of their experience because of their uh, life lessons they are able to take paths down the decision fork which allows them to evolve quite favorably so that's one aspect of inefficiency that i like another aspect is uh quality in distress okay so so the reason all this happened is because i started off because of a function of my education under professor bakshi so he was evolving into a quality investor and he's very influential in how and convincing in how he speaks and and so i thought i should go out and be a quality investor but then there was a dissonance uh because what is quality and i i noticed that i was so impressed with some people that i used to forget price i i couldn't figure out price that well and uh so i had to figure out a whole new 
I had to figure out an approach that works for me, and that's where this framework of inefficiency came. So one is so this this pattern of or this thread of intelligent fanatics sort of uh, would go through a few other inefficiencies that I like. One, as I mentioned, is quality in distress. Uh, if an industry is going through distress, you know that valuations are sort of low. So I, you have a question. Well, I was say, so it, what's interesting, just to you know, kind of set up the, your 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 thesis. It sounds like you really start with you really start with management. And then you go into looking at the industry that management is in, and to see if there's an inefficiency in 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 that industry. I mean, is that is, is that how how you kind of started? No. So I uh, so I tried having a process, but now I try not to have a process. No. It's so it's so. For example, the real estate industry is probably going through stress in India. It's been going through stress for six seven years. So okay. So let's look at that. So it's not necessarily always management. It's what okay. in so if if I see something and I think okay that's interesting and that seems there seems to be some some inefficiency there. So it could be industry because India is large. There are a lot of companies. So I think there are some good companies in each industry. So I just need to search for them. So it's really it's all about inefficiency. So yeah. no matter what, you could see inefficiency where you know. All right, this industry, there seems to be some distress going on. Why? Uh, you know, this management team, this seems like a good quality management team. Why isn't the company performing? You know, let me ask that question. It, it seems like you just, you're always asking the question as to why is this not performing the way I think it should be? Is, is that really where your framework is? Yeah, so anything that, so inefficiency that I understand is key for me right now. So anything that piques my curiosity, about the industry so so for example i know for a fact that the gold industry has been the gold imports in india has been stagnant or coming down for the last 10 years but i think the best performing business uh, stock price wise and performance wise uh, if not the best among the top percentile is a company called titan which is primarily a gold jewelry and are you currently a shareholder in oh, yeah so no i have not even a single share i own in titan but i found the whole pattern interesting so 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 when i see that i try and see okay if, are there anybody else there so that's so that's one approach as well okay, so just one more thing so so there are inefficiencies that i've tried out and i didn't like so i just let go of them so for example uh i'm quite slow in my thinking uh, i take time to process it uh, even though I am in a hurry, it doesn't work for me. So probably situations or inefficiencies or industries where things change quickly. So probably a stressed asset, as, uh, if it's a stressed company, company under stress, I avoid that to an extent possible mm -hmm. uh, because I'm not able to take the decision quickly at that right moment of uh, at that point in time. So. Uh, so that's something that I avoid. Uh, so there's stuff like that I avoid because somehow uh, I'm not able to take the decision in time. So, and and so basically the framework for avoidance is anything that I observe takes a larger proportion of my mental capital and my time capital uh, in relation to my monetary capital. I I, I avoid. You know, it sounds very similar. You know, I've interviewed a lot of uh, investors on here that would also say, look, I, I, if a company just takes more than a sentence for, for them to explain what they do or for me to even try and understand, I, that's an automatic next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like that. So so even if, so again, I'll put it this way. So even if I'm able to explain the thesis simply, but because of some reason, let's say there is leverage or there's something about the management that, some act by the management that I'm not able to digest, even if it's let's say three, four, five percent of my portfolio, it it might be 10, 15 percent of my mental portfolio, the, the mental space that I have, or it might be 10, 15 percent of my 
time uh, that I spent thinking on it. So that's just not done. So that's not that's inefficient. So let me ask. I mean, for your discovery process, I mean, it sounds like it's because of the way in which your framework, as how I understand it, where it's just, you know, uh, your inefficiency equals things that make you curious. It sounds like you could be inspired by anything that could pique your curiosity to then take a deeper dive and, and see what's going on in that company or that industry or that segment. Am I, am I kind of along the same line uh, on the right path? Uh, yeah. So, so, so far I would say many of them have been through the network, the people that I speak to because, uh, so luckily for me, uh, and I'm not just saying this luckily for me, everybody I speak to, I, I speak to six to seven people on a regular basis, I think is much smarter than I am and have more experience in investing than I do. So luckily that's the case and so that, that's been extremely fortunate. Uh, so when they say something that piques my curiosity, I go, I, I will randomly go through certain, let's say 100 crore, uh, let's say 500 to 700 crore market cap, go through all companies, read all their annual reports, see if there's something that piques my curiosity there. Mm -hmm. And so again, there's a constraint. So, so another constraint is circle of competence. So I didn't understand what circle of competence means for a long time. So recently I figured out this is what my definition would be. And the definition is, do I understand how the company makes money? So that's one part of it. The second part of it is, I don't think uh, one understands the value of something if if you don't understand what can go wrong. Mm -hmm. So So what can go wrong? I'm not able to answer that in some questions. I liked, I liked when you asked that question yesterday during the, the presentation. That, that was my favorite question of the day. I, I love when investors ask that question. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So 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 in, there have been companies where I got really excited, but uh, but when I can't figure out what's uh, what can go wrong, or if I'm not able to envisage it, uh, I don't think I'm able to envisage it in many of my portfolio companies for sure. But but if I can't, if I think okay, there's not much of a risk, I try and avoid it because that means that I'm inexperienced and there's something wrong with my thinking. So so, so that's another set of constraints. Yeah. Okay. So now you know I, I want to transition into uh, some questions regarding the book and Intelligent Fanatics. So you know as you stated, you joined Intelligent Fanatics in March 2018, um, and have written extensively for the website uh, as well as of course the new book coming out of Intelligent Fanatics, yeah. which is focused in on Indian companies. Yes. Um, you know, but I want to focus on one article that you wrote on the Intelligent Fanatics forum uh, titled uh, Vikram Samani, uh, Strength in the Depth of Despair. You know, briefly, can you explain the story of Vikram Samani and uh, Sarah? And I, I'm, I'll do my best here. I, I don't want to butcher this too bad, but uh, uh, Sarah uh, Sanatariware? Yeah. Okay. Did, did I do okay? Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Good. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, just for the benefit of the audiences in India, so it's Vikram Somani of Sarah Sanitary Wear. Uh, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, so I worked, uh, I spent time on this company at two, three years back, uh, and I really loved the business. So, so let's go back in time. So, the Somani family, uh, they are from Gujarat. Uh, Vikram Somani's father was uh, part of a three, I think three brother uh, team which set up the first sanitary wear manufacturing facility, organized sanitary wear manufacturing facility in India. Now what is a sanitary wear? So sanitary wear is anything, it's a vitreous ceramic uh, uh, object. So for example, let's say, let's say you go to your bathroom, uh, the wash basin, the material that it's made of is actually called sanitary wear in India. So uh, it's you basically take clay and you fire it up uh, a particular type of clay and you fire it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the, the sinks the the uh, the wash sinks in the bathroom uh, 
the closet in the bathroom so 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 that is what a sanitary wear is and uh, so the interesting part is the family started the sanitary wear business in india but his father uh, but vikram sumani did not inherit that business i guess he was running a commodity business which was into uh, vegetable oil and uh, 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 oil ke, uh, oil uh, feeds for animals etc so the characteristic of that business that it is pretty commodity with no pricing power where supply uh, the pricing all depends on the supply in the market at that point of time uh around 1980 he set up so, uh, so hindustan sanitary wear which is a company that his father and uh, set up with his brothers was set up i think in 1950s mm -hmm. uh and i think i don't know uh, this part very clearly but probably because of a family partition uh, he didn't get that business but around 1980 he decided to set up a plant uh and the interesting so he was running this commodity business and he set up this uh, uh the sanitary wear business which obviously at that time had no brand he brand, he named it sera after so short for ceramic uh and the interesting part was that business was profit profitable from the first month itself why was that so he did a lot of interesting things so so like peter thiel says that you have to have a great team in the beginning itself so so he had a great team in the beginning what he did was he hired people from the company that his father started hindustan sanitary wear uh so they knew and understood the process the process for sanitary wear manufacturing is quite complex uh, there are a lot of defects and all that that happen and having a team helped in addition to that uh, pre liberalization era of india which happened in 1991 was more of a sellers market customers didn't have many choices so uh, uh, in comparison to the competition at that time he gave uh, he shared more he gave the customers more colors etc 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 and he ran this a business for around 21 years and in 2001 he uh, the team at sera probably so this was just a small division in the parent in industry which was madhusudan and then they decided to shut down the legacy business entirely and just focus on this full time so so this this brought a concept which i really love a model which is a bridge burning model mm -hmm. so when somebody burns the bridges uh, family <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's a pretty extreme example yeah 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 that that is that's an extreme example but i think they were running this business for a few decades sure. uh and and to let go of something that was being run for a few decades in the family to focus on something they they knew worked out so so what they noticed what was that sarah had a brand and brand had pricing power and and they were the small part so the industry right now is uh, uh probably less than a billion dollars so it's probably much smaller than and he was focused on just one small segment there so he was able to he was able to do a lot of nice things so when he was a really tiny company he the annual reports say that he invite he he got consultants from advanced economies uh, like italy uh, 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 i think switzerland etc which which had the, the best of the best sanitary companies were from there mm -hmm. so he got them to consult so that he could become better he focused on developing economies of scale by creating just a huge ass plant in in one part in gujarat <laughs> uh then he continued to so around 3 to 4% of sales consistently over probably two decades was spent on advertisements uh so the social proofing all that scarcity all that came into play uh uh so 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 he brought all those stuff together and the company uh so that allowed him to burn the bridges so so one angle of thought is that if you are not diversified uh, if you don't have two businesses that's risky but i think it's the most conservative decision to take so the reason being when when you're focused on one thing uh, for a long period of time you harness the power of compounding
and focus is the trade loved by Buffett and Gates as we all know and compounding is as apocryphally attributed to probably Einstein that is the eighth wonder of the world. So when you focus and then when you focus for a long period of time you are maximizing the rate and the tenure of compounding and I believe that's what happened. So you are able to understand your customers better, you know what they want better, you know how you can make because your whole mental space is just focused on one thing. Right. So this was do the company was doing well, the returns on capital were about 20% for are about 20% for about 15, 17, 18 years now. Uh, but what suddenly happened was that he had he had passed down the baton uh, of running the company to his son, Vidush Somani. And in 2012, suddenly, Mr. Soma, Vidush Somani passed away. So, now, I know there are a lot of bad things in the world, but in my opinion, probably one of the worst things that can happen is when a parent survives the child. That's not supposed to happen, right? Uh, and I don't know how he dealt with it in his personal capacity, but but if the way the company, what happened with the company was any indication, I think he did it with a lot of grace. So so they, they, they assuaged all the concerns of investors and customers and employees by saying that they're not going to sell out. They bought, I think, a few shares from the market. Uh, a long timer who had retired was brought back within two weeks of the event. It showed that he had a strong rapport, a strong set of employees, a strong team who who were willing to stand by him. Uh, another long time, I was eventually made a CEO. He brought his daughter who was married and not in the business onto the board. So there's a lot of grace in how he handled it. Uh, the company actually, I think, is continued to do extremely well, uh, even though the person was supposed to run. So th the son was just 32 years old, which is probably my age right now. So, uh, so probably. <laughs> 32 yeah, yeah sorry <laughs> so uh, so I love that so the re I mean so so I l because of what I went through personally as well so the story really it yeah it resonated as well so but but what happened in my life was after this but because of that I thought about this more the so the part about how he dealt how he found strength in the depth of despair I found it really fascinating and uh, the way the business was grown. So the interesting part is despite having a two, three decade advantage, the parent company having a two, d uh, the so I'm talking about Hindustan Sanitary where the company that his father started. So despite having a two, three decade advantage, he's consistently closing the gap. And and you can see constantly a focus on the process that whenever he's asked, so when do you think you'll become the biggest company in India? He says, I don't think about that at all. I focus on giving great products to my customers at great price while having a great distribution network and building a great brand. I, if I do that, other stuff will fall into place. And I can see that percolating to the senior management and junior management. So whenever they talk in interviews or con calls, they say the same thing. And I have to ask also, you know, are, are you shareholder? It just have for our compliance. Uh, no, I'm not a shareholder. I don't even own a single share because I think the so I find I don't understand the price, basically the valuation. So you know the reason I asked you about this article is that this is you know this is pretty much a, I've read the first two intelligent fanatics books, and this is very reminiscent of what uh, intelligent fanaticism is. You know, is recognizing these leaders that are running good quality businesses over a long period of time. Obviously, I'm simplifying it down, but uh, uh, but. 
you know, so th that's really why I wanted to know a little bit more about this article. And, and one last point in here that uh, you've really discussed fully, but I just wanted to kind of highlight is this idea of the importance of creating a network of competitive advantage that you, you really, you highlighted very well in the article. And I think it's pretty important to also discuss, you know, so for you, what, what, did, from based on the story, you know, and also from what you learned from it, what, what does it mean to you, this, this network of competitive advantage? Mm -hmm. uh, so, <clears throat> like in a few angles, uh, uh, so anti-fragile, as discussed by uh, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, he's, he says that things that gain strength in disorder or stress. Now, now I think there's a flip side. So let's invert it, as Mr. Munger would say. Uh, there can be weakness in strength, right? So, so I think. A company's probably uh, as weak as its weakest strength. So, uh, so this is concept of duality. I like so so life and death. Uh, you are at the same time the center of the universe for you for your family. At the same time, a tiny, uh, a tiny, tiny pinprick in when you think of the whole vast universe that we have. Uh, so this is concept of duality. I like so so. I think strength is weakness itself. Uh, uh, so Goliath, what made him strong was what he, what made him weak, uh, so that David could beat him. Just like an awareness of strength, as opposed to just no. What made him strong? So his bigness, his armor, his strength made him slow. So that so the things that made him strong made him weak. Uh, so I find that concept interesting. So 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 then so then the question I had was, if there's a company which has let's say just one strength, it has access to let's. Let's take a mining company that has access, that has access to like really low, uh, high quality reserves in one location. That is their biggest strength, and that is their biggest weakness. What if the regulations, regulatory authorities say shut it down? So, so the idea is, uh, with the network of competitive ad competitive advantage, is to is the fact that there should there should be stuff that reinforce each other. There should not be just one. So in case of Sarah, in case of Sarah, it's it's a great brand. Uh, brand uh, it's a consolidated industry and they're the number three player so it's a great brand uh it's a great distribution network uh it's the management itself that the, the way they think the systems that they've put in place the structure the culture basically so so we are big fans of culture so so for us probably the personality of an individual the character of an individual is the is the analogy to the culture of a company so i think we at the community thing we it's, it's pretty similar so when i say network it's it it should not be one what if that goes so it should be a network so that there's a margin of safety yeah yeah so to me it sounds like you know you for you when you're looking at a potential new investment or you're looking at a company that might pique your interest you know you you're hoping to see that they don't just compound on one strength that they have that they recognize that they have the the strength they are taking advantage of it but they also recognize what their weaknesses are to try and build those up as well because it's only with the network of competence and this this many strengths will they then ultimately succeed is that what you what you're talking about really yeah so if you're talking about my investing approach in this framework of inefficiency that i look for yes so it's like us as human beings uh i like the idea of converting weakness to my bigger strength uh, if i can do that uh, so so in a way weakness is a blessing uh, if you are that kind of a person who just wants to work on it till it's not your weakness 
similarly in the flip side the strength can be a weakness as i mentioned before because you think that's taken care of and that's where you might so i like this quote again uh, it said the time of victory that one's knife should be sharpened the, probably the most because that's when you're probably becoming a little complacent listen you you're very much a student of sanjay already i, I mean we're talking more about life than we are investing and i love it um so okay now this brings us to the book you know so uh the third edition of intelligent fanatics yeah. you are the co-author on this book with uh with puja bula yeah you know so i have to ask you know what what inspired you to want to take on this endeavor okay so so let's understand this quite fundamentally uh at at the heart of it uh yeah i think i have the permission to say this but i think we are really really lazy people right so ian sean me and pooja i i really believe that we are lazy people so when when i when i say <laughs> so, so when i say when i say that what i'm trying to say is that so we want to we want to i, I want to be included in that group that's a that's a good group i, I want to be a lazy person <laughs> no so uh no so, so the reason i say that is because see we want to be the best version of ourselves right uh and we want to do it I mean we are human so we want to do it quickly sort of uh and part of it and separated from it see I don't see investing life and all that as separate so I think everything is one single thing so investing life relationships everything is one thing one reinforces the other there are there are linkages but so what I'm trying to say is to be the best version of ourselves one sort of one thing is financial freedom it allows the freedom to think etc so we we are striving towards that right uh so we want financial freedom and we want to be the best version of ourselves so so the man is known by the company he keeps uh buffett says tell me who your mentors are and i'll tell you the person you are so so the idea of intelligent fanatics allowed us to to basically get a lot of this together so so we you can't read about people that we read about in for the community and just go like really be uh, impressed and inspired by it not impressed as much as inspired you like what what am i doing let's i want to do something more i want to so i should i should become better so th- when you expose yourself to such stories you you want to get better so so there is that personal aspect that's taken care of at the same time when you work on intelligent fanatics uh, and the companies that are led by people who we think are exceptional people as i mentioned in the framework of inefficiency they tend to take decisions which sort of puts the company on the right path that's the only thing in control so so they have this great framework for decision making uh, in various scenarios that we love learning from what are they thinking about so it helps in both life and in investing as well so that's why i said lazy because i mean okay so i do just one i i spend a lot of time on this and a lot of things are taken care of uh, uh, so so that's that's the reason i said the lazy part so because well, everything's interconnected so if yeah. you're so hard about one thing then it really affects yeah, all it, aspects yeah so, so i don't know probably if i did uh, only gram type situations that it would have this impact on me mm-hmm. so so that's the lazy part so okay so i can do both and i as i mentioned i'm a little slow in my thinking so i can't spend a lot of time doing a lot of things so i'm trying to narrow it down and so i love this concept because as i mentioned it helps life as well how, and all that so So that's the inspiration for Intelligent Fanatics website. So that's why you won't find us talking about valuation even a single time. Uh now the inspiration for the book 
there was no inspiration from my end to be honest so ian and sean mentioned it i think a year year and a half back i didn't believe them uh <laughs> and uh, so i just want this out there that there's nothing different in the book that's not there on the website uh so the book this to be honest there's nothing sp- nothing different nothing special or out of the ordinary as compared to what's in the website so we i believe we put in the content in the thought process in the website in uh, so if you see all the three books and the website you would not find probably a difference in the quality of the content so sure you we put a lot of other effort like it's it's much more well edited and etc etc uh, 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 it's much more well uh, edited designed and all that but the content per se there's no difference uh, what we also added in the book is uh, so we did a lot of this we, we have been doing this for quite some time now so they have been doing it for much longer than i have so what we have tried to do together so again the book has just our names but very honestly i i i was trying to insist to them but they refused but so they have equal contribution to the book as well ian and sean this is what i'm talking about uh so we've distilled sort of our thought process in the concluding conclusion part on what facets that we like mm-hmm. uh so that's something which is not there in the website there are case studies which are not there in the website mm-hmm. but it's in the end it's a framework so we've created a framework and how to apply the framework so it's not just the framework alone that matters how to apply it in practice is what matters so so that's what we have tried to do with the book so let's get into that framework you know i i mean obviously we want everybody to read the book yes, but you know can you give us kind of some ideas as to based on when you curated the whole book together and some of these case studies that you put uh, put in there you know what what's what were some of the the and, and the, some tidbits i guess i'd say that uh that you learned from putting this all together and then put then at the end of the book so it's actually nothing different from what probably all of us have been hearing since childhood uh so the these guys constantly Wait, you've been hearing about valuation and and <laughs> running companies since childhood i'm a little jealous <laughs> no so as i mentioned again everything is interconnected so it's life yeah uh so uh thinking long term i mean uh, see again i like that because of the framework for ine- framework of inefficiencies more and more recent uh, more and more as time passes by people are looking at what about the next month next year next quarter etc right uh, these people they think in years or decades so so we have people i mean we have a, i don't think it's published so uh, so you will read in the book so there's this company which in its website has something called a slow philosophy it's a, like it's it actually says slow philosophy yes okay. they say that we are going to take it slow we are going to st- reduce and stop our expansion so what they are and it and, and mind you it's a branded consumer products consumer facing company it's a space where competitors are coming in but they are taking it slow because they want to focus on the experience first and build a strong foundation now how many do you see sacrificing growth to become slow because that's good for not next year but 10 15 years in advance right so that's long term these guys are constant constantly learning constantly learning constantly learning i mean so so that's something which we have been uh, hearing since childhood uh, then this concept of anti fragility right strengthening in stress so so again this is so when something happens the question is how can i come out of this stronger so the interesting part is i think all of them in the book and probably many of them that we've covered there is a pattern that if not for the stress they would have been weaker than if than because there was stress so so when they went through stress they figured out a better business model 
they gain market or they gain market share in the industry or they figured out a related area they could enter which would sort of de-risk the business so so st these guys need stress so 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 that's interesting to us so that's very interesting most people avoid stress as much as possible so it's, yeah. it's really quite interesting that yeah. they're like not nah, bring it on we're good because yeah. it's like it, it's almost like you, it's well there's a difference there's internal and external stress right yeah. it seems like they're craving the external stress of course internal stress i don't i think we can all agree none of us want that yeah, right true. so that's you know true. it's more of like they want that external stress because it causes them to have to think more critically about their business correct yeah, yeah sure so uh, I do not understand what you meant by internal stress. Can you give me an example? Oh, just, you know, just, uh, I mean, I've, uh, like, uh, you know, I guess any anything that causes uh, just you internally to be stressed out about things, whether it's your own genetics or, your, you know, you're, uh -oh. you tend to be a more anxious person, not yeah. because of anything around you, but you're just naturally, you know, like, uh, I feel like there, that that is, is a little bit different from, like, things that are coming at you. That will cause you to be like, oh man, let's gotta deal with this right now. Like, yeah. you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Yes, that's 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 absolutely uh, true for sure. Yeah. So, so this is one more uh, anti-fragility is one more characteristic that we like to look at. The other one that we like is uh, so this is the concept of duality. I think we touched upon. Uh, so I don't think I understand the concept fully yet, but this is my inter current interpretation of it. So everything has two sides, uh, as I mentioned, life and death. Mm -hmm. You are at the same time a large entity but a tiny prick depending on the context uh so so s sort of like that uh i think there are uh there's this pattern of duality in how the entrepreneurs do things as well so, so one thing that we talk about is for example good cost bad cost uh so so there are so you would see really frugal companies spending really heavily at some times uh so the idea is they'll spend a lot on their employees or certain customer service things, but on wastage they really, really are stingy and they they they, they attack that really strongly. So that's another uh, that is another facet that we see and we like. Uh, so you would think, okay, you always cut costs, but but why are they spending so much here? Because that makes sense. So it's in the context of things that that matters, and and some of them have this. Uh, habit of tinkering so so uh, it's not so what they do is they take uh, they do they take decisions which probably has small they never bet the company on anything they take uh, they do things that have small losses if they do it but if it pays out it pays out huge amazon the best example they tried out a lot of things Gerald? <laughs> no okay yeah. i invest only in indian companies yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, well, okay. So, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get to another question I had because, you know, I've just done a couple of recent interviews with investors that are really, uh, maybe they're North American based, whether in Canada and the US, mm -hmm. but they have a global outlook, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it feels like the microcap world is actually becoming more and more globalized in that mm -hmm. sense. And, you know, especially with, you know, uh, a lot of the interviews that we've been seeing out there uh, with intelligent fanatics. I mean, Ian also happens to be a very popular in India now, you know, so I, I, what, what I really mean by this is that, you know, investors from all walks of life and with varying income levels, uh, they're, they're starting to look abroad for, pot for potential ideas. Um, you know, do you think this version of intelligent fanatics helps shed some light to investors that there are opportunities everywhere, not just even really India, but just everywhere? Mm. 
uh, yeah, so I, well, I too, but yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I actually have not thought too deeply about that aspect of it. So this is just again one framework of inefficiency. So I think, so going back to I think something which I heard yesterday that mm, the thing that change is constant, but I guess for centuries now human behavior is pretty much the same. So, so, O'Shaun Jim Jim O'Shaughnessy, I yeah, think, was yeah. talking about that. Yeah, I, how human nature hasn't changed for millennia. Yes. you know, so that can be your competitive advantage. Yeah. I only know because I tweeted about it. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna so get you on. <laughs> that's that's uh, yeah, you're right. That's very true. So that that's the only thing that remains has so far remained constant. So, so this is a framework for inefficiency because what these guys do is that they take short term huge amount of sometimes huge amount of short term pain so you want growth some people are want want to go slow so what the hell so right so so these this framework for inefficiency is when you find uh, people going through short term pain uh, for long term gain that's that's an inefficient i mean most people who are looking at the next quarter they'll just exit it but there is there is great beauty in 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 looking for the looking at the long term so i think yesterday i think josh gave an example of a company which cut down arpu right. and most people were unhappy about it but right. but then he gave a sequence of events as to why that was the best thing that the company could do it was reducing the customer acquisition costs it was improving its perception among the customers it was right. probably weakening the competitors because the price is lower etc 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 yeah, even and even Brent Bishore when he was doing his interview with uh, Morgan, he was talking about how you know someone asked a question about when you bring in a company into your portfolio, uh, you know, oh, so is that how you then cost cut? Is that how you build, uh, yeah, you know yeah, value yeah, create yeah, yeah. you know for value creation? And he actually said like, no, we actually don't cost cut for value creation. In fact, we think that some companies tend to underspend. Yes. So yeah, we'll yeah. tell them, hey, look, you spend a dollar more to make three dollars, you know, down the road, as opposed to just thinking about this as, you know, spending a dollar and that's a dollar out of your pocket, you know. So yeah. there's kind of some similarities there. But I also have to ask you too, is because, and I don't mean to take a hard turn, but I, you brought up Josh and his presentation, and mm -hmm. you mentioned that you look at the world, you, it, uh, you like to understand it as a uh, the duality of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, you like to see it as, you know, one of two things. But you know, he brought up the continuum. Mm -hmm. He's talking specifically about various types of companies, mm -hmm. you know, as it being uh, on the artistic side versus a competitive side, mm -hmm. you know, and that it's all it's everything is then on this continuum, you know, and then you evaluate from there, you know. So I, I just have to ask, what did you think about that? So I really, really love what Josh says and speaks. Uh, See the thing is, most of what he so I had seen a few of his videos before it, they were taken down for compliance. Uh, <laughs> luckily for me, sure. uh, see the reason I love what he says is because intuitively I think he's saying something important. I know, but as I mentioned, I'm a little slow in my thinking. I take time to absorb it. Uh, so what all his ideas yesterday? Uh, so looking for smaller positive feedback loops in a company, uh, the spectrum. I don't think I have absorbed it entirely yet. I need to think about it a lot. I think there is something there which uh, I need to figure out. And so I think words are very important uh, words because words, when they put together, they form beautiful sentences and some sentences, they resonate with somebody while it might not resonate with somebody else. So I need to form it in a way that, that resonates with me or I, it, 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 it helps me absorb it. it. So, so I'm still, still yeah, I'm still absorbing it. So I don't want to talk about it. Uh, 
uh, because yeah. no problem so okay so so while this book does show the, that there is a pattern of fanaticism that has allowed Indian entrepreneurs and businesses to dominate and endure, you know, are there are there any glaring differences in the approach between successful Indian entrepreneurs and the fanatics that have been discussed in other editions of the books? Mm. For the large part, I don't think so. Uh, I think the pattern can be transported to different geographies and countries uh, and but there are a couple of things which I found uh, in the short time I spent on it a little different so this probably the difference in the whole way the culture evolved probably so so one thing is ownership so uh, so there's a whole uh, whole focus and excitement about insider ownership and founder ownership in America I'm so I come from a country where the regulator had to pass a regulation to reduce founder ownership so that there is more liquidity and so there are many companies which own 75% of the founders that own 75% of the company or the management team owns 75% of the company the it's more an exception so if I if I find a company where the founder owns 20-25% that's I like why so that's a that's a sign of that's curiosity. Like, why is it so low? In fact, I pass on it if it's so low. So, so that's something which I found different because naturally the the entrepreneurs there own a large chunk of it. Mm, the second one more thing which I sort of oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah so probably for example in my portfolio the company a couple of companies with the lowest ownership is probably in lower 30 percentage range that's the lowest uh, so, th so so I think that's pretty rare here I don't know enough about Europe or other geographies uh, the second one which I found to be different uh, is this quality of detachment mm -hmm. uh, so, so so a couple a few of them in India are really spiritual I won't say religious they're really spiritual people and there's this uh, text called the Bhagavad Gita. So I think a lot of the teachings sort of princi in principle are, same, uh, are similar to Stoicism. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so the Bhagavad Gita, one, the fundamental lesson uh, from whatever I've read so far, and that's not been much, is that you focus on the process, you have right only on the process, you don't focus on the outcome. So, so, so these guys are really able to let go they do everything but if it doesn't work out they I mean of course I probably I'm sure it hurts them but they're willing and able to let go and and look at it from a, a rational yeah. yeah so it's I won't call it even yeah rational because detachment is they they are attached to the process but they are detached from the outcome so yeah so you could in some ways it is rational but I, I don't know so from I'm not able to articulate it well I think it's deeper You're than that You're yeah doing a good job don't yeah <laughs> thank you uh, so i think it's deeper than uh, rationality sure. yeah so these two these are two facets which uh which i've not observed so this this quality i've not observed that much in uh, us companies so uh, i'm sorry so there's one more thing on a different note on the book that i want to mention so there's something which i struggled with a lot uh, in the book is the selection bias i believe uh are we selecting for it? See, we 
at the community, all of us, we believe luck plays a disproportionate role. Uh, probably a Bezos, if he was born 100 years earlier, or Jobs, he was born 100 years earlier, they would not have been well known. The context, so, th so the concept of ovarian lottery, I think, is very important. And other environmental uh, luck, luck through the circumstances is also very important. So we really believe in that. So, so the question that came into my mind is if luck plays such a huge role, why bother? Yeah, like why bother, right? Mm. And that was a really difficult question that still is. So, so the way I, so I'm, I'm a man, so I'm a human being, so I'm, 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 I'm a rationalizing animal more than a rational animal. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it is right, but this is how I think about it. Uh, it comes back to the concept of multiple alternate eventual realities, right? So in some eventual reality, I'm going to be dead probably tomorrow. Uh, so then why do all the work to become a better person? So it's, it's, it's what uh, uh, Mr. Munger uh, said, uh, that you do the right things over a long period of time, and if you live long enough, good things will happen to you. So luck cannot play a disproportionate role over a long enough period of time. It will, sh uh, it will change the direction and the path that you're on. Uh, but if you continue to do the right things, in some ways you expose yourself to luck. If you if you if you focus on win-win relationships, uh, the nature of the universe is that a lot of people want you to succeed. So 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 we th we think that even though there is a lot of luck in the world that we live in, hope matters, and and if you do the right things over a long period of time, uh, you get what you deserve, in the end. So the, I'm now going to transition to one of my favorite questions that I love to ask all my guests on the podcast. Okay. You know, what what investing experience would you say has taught you the most thus far in your career? It's uh, so usually a loss and uh, majority everybody says a loss, but I, I'm, I'm just projecting. But uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, uh, life investing, everything is linked. So a lot of life experiences do inform investing. But I agree with a lot of your other speakers. I have, I think, three companies where I've lost 60 to 70%, so they have been the best uh, uh, so far. Uh, so not just- the best learning experience. Yes, yes, the best learning experience for sure. <laughs> so, so it's not drawdown that I'm worried about so much as the actual permanent loss because I changed my mind about the company for reasons that I could have figured out in the past. So, so those are the biggest uh, learning. So some of them are due to lack of experience, which I'm fine with. Some of them are sheer uh, impatience. Uh, I'm in a hurry. Uh, and so I take decisions quickly, which I should not. So what I do is the, the cells, after I've made the cells, I have a spreadsheet where I list down the mistakes that I made and I have, constructed it in such a way that the column headings are the mistakes that I made. So so, so if, if that particular thing repeats, I need to really think about it. So there are, let's say, the rows are the companies, the columns are the mistakes. So there's a pattern of mistakes that I make. So, so I look at, the, so impatience has been a huge pattern. Rationalizing into taking the decision quickly because I want to deploy the capital, uh, I'm impatient, I already did the work, consistency commitment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, so I do that and see what pattern is repeating very regularly. Mm -hmm. And it's repeating quite regularly, so. 
yeah well listen over time i'm sure you'll guess what you'll probably still keep doing them you know but uh ultimately <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to that <laughs> well you know the only hope you can have is that it's less and f- less frequent yeah right yeah hopefully yeah Ho- hopefully yeah so uh you know rounding out the interview here I, I also have to ask you know what what advice would you have for new investors that either might might eventually come and read the, this new edition of the book and and maybe some of the things that you want them to take away from this uh so advice is the same advice i got from my mentors uh people i admire keep learning keep reading uh and keep practicing uh because uh the theory is one thing uh, but when you actually put your money and you lose the money that really helps in the learning process so that's what i would uh, pretty much advise like every day what i mean i don't think i have anything to say that uh, people much better than and much more experience than i have said mr manga he says spend every day uh knowing just one at least one thing more than what you knew when you woke up so that's just about it all right so where can my audience go and find uh more information about you and then uh, when, when's the book coming out and then so that they can go and uh, eventually purchase it yeah sure so uh the book's uh, releasing on the 16th of october uh uh but what so we are trying to replicate the model of uh, certain people we are, the fanatics that we read about so we want to do more for our members than for the wider audience so the members have already gotten the book so they've got they they got it one month in advance on the 16th of september so if you want to know more about the book or what we at the community do the best thing is to to do is to uh, just uh, just check out some of the free articles that we have on the community and if you like it well enough please do become a member otherwise it's fine as well yeah and that's intelligentfanatics.com right yes it is yeah intelligentfanatics.com yes well rohith it's been an absolute pleasure uh for you joining me today on the podcast and i look forward to our next uh, chat yeah thank you thank you for your time thank, thank you, you. Thank you all for tuning into the Planet Microcap podcast and thank you Rohith again for coming on to the program. You can access the podcast by going on to stocknewsnow.com under podcast, go to podbean.com and search Planet Microcap podcast or on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube or Spotify and search Planet Microcap podcast. Stay tuned for the next Planet Microcap podcast where we'll have our next guest who discuss all things microcap. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, please send an email to info@snnwire.com. I'd love to hear from all of you. This podcast has been brought to you by SNN Incorporated, publishers of StockNewsNow.com, the official microcap news source, and the Microcap Review Magazine. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you again for joining me on the Planet Microcap Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Peace.